job of those of us who went is to make you aware that your life is not about you. There's a bigger purpose. When Jesus walked on the earth, he had a group of followers, and the original were called the Twelve. There were 12 men that he called to be his disciples. Uh, And he spent a great deal of time with them, but there were more than just the Twelve. And in today's passage, you're going to see... Um, 72 followers that Jesus sent out on a short-term journey that turned into this great adventure. Now, in chapter 9 of Luke, Jesus sends out the 12, but in chapter 10 is where we're going to look at, and he sends out the uh, the 72. They were ambassadors. Two weeks ago, we went as ambassadors to Eula's neighborhood. This last week, 12 of us went as ambassadors to Haiti. So let's look at Luke chapter 10, and we will figure out kind of, I think we can apply this passage to us as well, and we see how Jesus would respond to us after our ministry endeavor. Verses 1 and 2 say, The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask them to send more workers into his field. So then we're going to skip down to verse 17. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven, written in heaven. So the disciples go out, these 72, they go out and they do amazing things and they see that when they go in Jesus' name, their impact on the world is significant. Can you imagine their excitement when they come back? All 72 of them, they say, oh my goodness, Jesus, you should have seen what happened. See, their prior experience had been kind of like our experience of of sitting around and really being observers. Jesus was this miracle worker, wonder-working teacher who would go around and do all the stuff and the disciples were just there witnessing it. But this time, they got to put into practice Jesus' ministry. They actually did what Jesus did. He sent them out two by two and they got to experience divine, supernatural power flowing through them to other people and ordinary people got saved. They discovered that even demons would submit to them when they called on the name of Jesus. And they were pumped. Those of us who went to Haiti are pumped. Now, Jesus did nothing to uh, squash their enthusiasm and he rejoiced with them. But then Jesus elevated their service to something that they couldn't even comprehend with their human minds. Jesus said that their actions, the disciples' actions, actually dealt a death blow to Satan himself. When the 72 acted in obedience, Satan was quickly dethroned. Now, this doesn't mean that Satan has no more power on this earth. It just means that he is subject to a greater power, Jesus Christ. Satan will one day face his judgment. He'll be thrown into the lake of fire forever. But until that time, he will not give up. Jesus said that he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. What does that mean? Satan falls every time a Christ follower serves. Satan falls like lightning from heaven whenever you serve another with a heart of love. He falls like lightning from heaven whenever, whenever you forgive someone who has wronged you. He falls like, like lightning from heaven when you think more highly of others than you think of yourself. He falls like lightning from heaven whenever you obey the calling of God to participate in something bigger than yourself. Satan's power is defeated every time a Christ follower chooses 
to serve and share the love of God. Our faith demonstrated in action combined with God's power knocks Satan down. But Jesus didn't stop there. He mentions these strange powers. Now, the regions where the disciples were going to, to, to prepare Jesus, um, prepare for Jesus to come, they were not backwoods places. They were not places that, that were prone to scorpions and, and snakes. The context of this passage is talking about spiritual power. In another part of the Bible, Jesus calls Satan a snake. And he says that, that you know, if you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, he actually came uh, as a serpent. We're talking about spiritual power here. And Jesus is saying, you will have power over spiritual uh, demonic powers when you go in my name. But, but see, then he didn't stop there. He, he puts everything in perspective by saying... Don't get all jacked up and excited because the spiritual forces are subject to you. If you want to know what you celebrate, he says, celebrate that your names are written in heaven. Celebrate that you're on God's team. Celebrate that more people are coming into the kingdom of God. The disciples had spiritual power to transform their world when they remained under God's authority. Now, why is it such a big deal that names are written in heaven? Well, Jesus ties what they just did and ties what we just did at Eula's house and in Haiti to the end of time. Look at Revelation chapter 20, beginning in verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and the one who was sitting on it. Earth and sky ran away from him and disappeared. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Then books were opened and the book of life was opened. The dead were judged by what they had done, which was written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. Each person was judged by what he had done, and death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. The first death is physical death. The lake of fire is the second death, spiritual death. You do not want to experience spiritual death because that's separation from God forever. And then look what it says. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Jesus tied what the 72 did to the end time events. We can tie what we just did to this as well. Serving matters because our serving in the name of Jesus impacts the final destiny of human beings. Satan's future is already, already determined. But the people we come in contact with have to make a choice before the first death that determines where they go after that death. If you don't make a choice to follow Jesus, to ask Him to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life before death, then you will experience the second death, which is separation from God for eternity. Serving matters. Now, you got a couple of things on your listening guide we're going to run through before we have the Lord's Supper. We serve because we're saved. Christianity is the only religion in the world where serving is done out of gratitude for what Christ has already done for us. We don't serve in order to be saved. We serve because we're saved. We're grateful that Jesus died on the cross and He rose from the dead, never to die again. That distinguishes us from every other religion. Other religions, you serve in order to get something for yourself. Many of those religions, you serve in order to gain access into heaven. That's not biblical. Biblical serving is done out of gratitude. For what Christ has already done. We serve because we're saved, not in order to be saved. Second, we go because we're called. Some of you have been here for, for several years and you remember some of the series. One of the series I did a couple years ago was called Questions. 
And we said, you ask the right people the right questions, you get the right answers. You ask the wrong people the right questions, you get the wrong answers. And then we did one called um, the, the best question ever. And basically the premise of that whole series was what is the wise thing to do? Now, the wise thing to do is always to obey God. And the 12 of us who, who accepted God's call to go to Haiti, we discovered some really valuable information while we were in Haiti. We discovered that the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. Haitian driving cannot harm you. Flash floods cannot harm you. Combine a flash flood with Haitian driving and all hell breaks loose, literally. And God protect us. What? Haiti? Haiti and Hades. Yeah, those are two different words. In the center of God's will, there is nothing that can harm you that God doesn't allow to harm you. Outside of God's will, there's nothing that can help you. So any thinking person would say, if there is a God, I believe there is. Jesus has demonstrated that. Any thinking person would say, if there's a God and you have to face the forces of hell, you want to be on his side so that he protects you. You have a choice. You can face the forces of hell on your own or the forces of hell with God. I choose God because I saw it firsthand as he protected us. You people took a chance and Satan fell. When we went to Eula's neighborhood, Satan fell from heaven because we served in the name of Christ, not expecting anything in return. When we went to Haiti, Satan fell. And honestly, I think this would be one of Jesus' favorite memories from Scripture. When the 72 came back and he saw them doing what he did, what would Jesus do? They went out and did what Jesus would do. And he rejoiced and he was excited. But he said, don't get caught up in all of that. Get caught up and rejoice that your forever destiny is sealed. Your names are written in heaven and your service matters. We go because we're called, not because it makes sense unless it makes sense to be in the center of God will, God's will, unless it makes sense to obey an all powerful God. Then it makes sense to follow him and it doesn't make sense to follow man's wisdom. Does that make sense? Number three, we celebrate. Here's what we're doing today. We're celebrating what has happened these, these last few weeks. We celebrate because we're His. Today we're going to take the Lord's Supper. Because Jesus said, celebrate because your names are written in heaven. And anytime you take the Lord's Supper, you're supposed to do a couple of things before you take the Lord's Supper. One of the things that we're to do is we're to look back at the death of Jesus. The reason we can even belong to God is because Jesus died on the cross as a sacrifice for your sins. And this is the only religion in the world where the person who died for your sins, the person who's the founder of the religion, did not stay in the grave. He came back to life. And by coming back to life, he proved that everything he said in the Bible is true. And I share at funerals a lot of times that, that I read a story about a, a person who was a Muslim in Africa who came to know Christ. And someone said, how in the world could you possibly make such a radical change from, from following uh, Muhammad to following Christ? And he said, it's, it's very simple. He said, if you came to a fork in the road and there were two men there, one was dead and the other was alive, whose directions would you follow? 
I'm going to follow the live guy. I don't care if the dead guy's pointing. I'm listening to the one who's alive. And Christianity is the only one who has a founder who is alive. So we look back at Jesus' death and we remember that without him, we would not be in the kingdom of God. Without him, we would have no power over the enemy. But because of his death and because of of giving our hearts and our lives to him, we can be members of his family. So we look back and we remember the cost. Although Christianity is free, it was the most costly gift ever offered on the planet. Second, we're to look within. If you go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you'll read about the whole thing. Paul does a lot of teaching on the proper way to, to celebrate the Lord's Supper. He says, do not approach the table knowing that you have blatant sin in your life. Do not approach the table. If, if you have conflict in, in, in um, relationships that you've not tried everything in your power to resolve, do not come to the table without confessing your sins and looking within Ask God to reveal it. But once you've confessed and once you have given it over to God and you've recommitted your life to Christ, then feel free to come to the table. And by the way, the table is only for Christ followers. This is the one thing that that we do that that is that we exclude non-Christ followers. And it's not to make you feel bad. The teaching of Jesus is this is for his family members. And the way we do it, we wouldn't dare make any of you feel uncomfortable. So the way we do it, you can stay sitting there um, and, and nobody's even going to notice. And, and nobody would dare say anything to you because we'll kick them out. I mean that literally. So you look back at Jesus' death. You look within. You look around to make sure your relationships are right. And then Jesus said, every time we take the Lord's Supper, we're preaching a sermon about his empty grave that he's going to come back again. He said, as often as you do it, he didn't tell us how often to do it, but he said, as often as you take the Lord's Supper, you proclaim my death until I return again. So today we're preaching a sermon. Jesus said, the bread represents his body, which was broken for you. The juice represents his blood, which was spilled for you. And when you take the cup, you are saying to Jesus that I commit to you and I am yours. You're in charge and I will obey. The Lord's Supper is a serious matter. But when you've prayed and confessed and given your heart to Christ again, feel free to to take the Lord's Supper. Now, let me say this too. We have open Communion, open Lord's Supper. That means if you are a believer in Christ, you are welcome to come to the table. You do not have to be a church member to do that. So we're going we're gonna to watch a video, a short video called What Does Love Sound Like to remind us of the cost. And then when you've prayed, feel free to come to the table. There's a table at the back, there's a table over here, and there's a table here. Come quietly, reverently, take the bread, go ahead and eat it, take the cup, and remember the significance. We celebrate because we're his.